This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2015. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. To 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. Just give you a moment to find that in your Bibles or your tablets or your phone or whatever way you like to look at the Bible these days. 2 Kings chapter 2. I'm going to begin reading from verse 19. Then the men of the city said to Elisha, Please notice the situation of the city is pleasant as my Lord sees but the water is bad and the ground barren. He said, bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the source of the water and cast in the salt there and said, thus saith the Lord, I have healed this water. From it there there shall be no more death or barrenness. And so the water remains healed to this day according to the word of Elisha, which he spoke. Then he went up from there to Bethel, And as he was going up the road, some youths came from the city and mocked him and said to him, Go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. So he turned around and looked at them and pronounced a curse on them in the name of the Lord. And two female bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the youths. Then he went from there to Mount Carmel, and from there he returned to Samaria. Amen. In our last study of the Uh, prophet Elisha last Sunday morning. Uh, We saw him receiving the double blessing. Uh, He caught the mantle that had fallen from the shoulders of Elijah as he was translated in that fiery uh, scene uh, up into glory. And then how he took that mantle, went to the Jordan and smote the Jordan and cried out, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And the Jordan parted hither and thither, and he went through on dry ground. And then he spent uh, a number of days in Jericho, presumably with the sons of the schools of the prophet there in Jericho. And then he made his way from there to Bethel, presumably again to spend some time with the young prophets that were at Bethel. But in the midst of all of that, we see two major miraculous incidents in his life, the healing of the water at Jericho and the mauling of the bears at Bethel. These two incidents are very, very different indeed. As you can imagine, they are polar opposites. One was comforting and the other was condemning. One brought healing, the other brought hurt. One removed a curse and the other brought a curse. And so the Uh, the most of what I want to share this morning is seated around these two miraculous events. I want you to notice first of all regarding the healing of the water in Jericho. First thing I want you to notice is that the men of the city recognized that this was indeed a prophet, that Elisha was a man of God and they sought his help. 
any city or indeed any country or any community or any society that recognizes the people of God in their midst, and especially if they request their help, that city, that community, that country, that nation will be blessed indeed. But that is not the normal response today, especially of people uh, whenever they are in trouble. Uh, they look out for government agencies, for some economic guru to sort out the mess. Uh, they look to political parties or heads of industries, anything or anybody but the people of God. And it's a big mistake. Sadly, even church leaders have failed miserably when it comes to bringing a nation back to God. Sermons become platitudes. The message becomes vague. It becomes non-threatening, woolly, without any conviction whatsoever. And the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself for the battle? And what we're finding today, if you listen to the news or read the papers, is that the denominations, particularly from headquarters, are giving uncertain signs. Everything is questioned today. There's discussions going on within church headquarters that shouldn't even be discussed. It shouldn't even be open for discussion. They should say, this is the word of the living God. This is it. It's the be-all and end-all. There is no gray area here. And if you want to believe that other stuff, fine, but leave us alone. This is what we teach, the living Word of God. And if they did that, there'd be less trouble, but they don't. They constantly give out an uncertain sound. Therefore, people are not preparing themselves for the battle. I just read... <laughs> Recently, just last week, in fact, in Canada, uh, it's the United Church of something or other, and they have a, a lady who's an atheist minister. <laughs> an atheist minister. And they're discussing whether she still should be in office. It shouldn't even be a discussion. She should be out in her ear long ago. If the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall call himself? Who shall prepare himself for the battle? But at least these men of the city came to the man of God and recognized his position before God and was looking help. And thankfully, they got the help they were looking. In verse 19, they said, Please notice... The situation in the, of the city is pleasant as my Lord sees, but the water is bad and the ground barren. And no wonder, for since the days of Joshua, this was an accursed city. You remember this was the first city that was taking, taken in the conquest of Canaan. And the Lord gave specific instructions to burn it with fire. It was an accursed city. It was never to be rebuilt again. But actually, it was rebuilt again. And Joshua himself even prophesied of this. 
In Joshua 6, 26, you don't need to turn to it, let me read. Then Joshua charged them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds this city, Jericho. He shall lay its foundation with his firstborn, and with his youngest he shall set up its gates. Now there's a very specific prophecy by Joshua, who was not known as a prophet, but under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, he uttered these words, did it come true? Did it ever come true? So it came to pass that in the days of King Ahab, before Elisha even had entered into this ministry, that this city was built. First Kings 16, 34, it says, In his days, in Ahab's days, did Hiel the Bethelite build Jericho. And he did exactly as Joshua prophesied. He laid its foundations with Abiram, his firstborn, and with his youngest son, Zegob, he set up his gates according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken through Joshua, the son of Nun. Hiel actually lost two of his sons in the process. So the curse was still in force. His eldest son died at the start of the work, and his youngest son died at the end of the work. You say, can you give me scripture for that? Yes, I can. 1 Kings 16. 1 Kings 16 and 34, it says, In the days of Hiel of Bethel built Jericho. He laid its foundations with the barm his firstborn, with his youngest son Zegob. He set up its gates according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken through Joshua, the son of Nun. And then in my margin, it says, at the cost of the life of of his two sons. And so here was a city that was certainly cursed. No wonder the water was bad. No wonder the ground was barren because God's blessing was not upon it. And when God's blessing is not upon something, it's going to be bad and it's going to be barren. The stream was polluted. The ground had been made barren by the poisonous waters. The trees would not be able to deliver their fruit in their season. The vegetables would weather and die and would be inedible. It even may have, some commentators believe, it may have affected the very birth rate in the city, the barrenness. Maybe it had even gone into the lack of the birth rate in the city. But notwithstanding all of that, it still looked good. The city is pleasant as my Lord sees. So to look at it, it looked good. It looked beautiful. But underneath all of that cosmetic beauty, it was barren because the water was bad. Is this not an apt picture of the world around us today? A world that is under two curses the curse of the law and the curse of the land. The curse of the law which man cannot live up to and because he cannot live up to the law and constantly breaks the law of God, he's a lawbreaker and deserving of death, which is why Jesus Christ came to pay the penalty of our sins and to release us from that curse of the law. For the world is under that curse today. It's under the curse of the land. It's still bringing forth thorns and thistles. Yet notwithstanding all of that, 
It's beautiful to look at as my Lord sees. It's pleasant. There's places you go in this world that are breathtakingly beautiful. But yet as a whole, this world is polluted by a stream of poison. And that stream of poison is sin that causes barrenness and disappointment and heartache. And everything it touches, it contaminates, and it brings disappointment and death to its inhabitants. And so here is a, a picture, if you will, of the world that we live in. At the end of verse 20, he said, Bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. And so they brought it to him. Salt cleanses, salt purifies, salt preserves, doesn't it? What does the scripture say? The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. 1 John 1, 7. Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, Ephesians 5, 25, 26. And so, Christ by his blood and by his word cleanses our stream, takes away the sin that pollutes our very souls. Thank God for that. Amen. Elisha asked for a new bowl. And Jesus was the new bowl that came into this world. Born of a virgin. Separate holy, undefiled, separate from sinners. Even Pilate said, I find no fault in this man. Pilate's wife says, I have nothing to do with this just man. Thief on the cross said, this man has done nothing amiss. Yes, he came in the likeness of sinful flesh, but he was holy, holy completely holy, without sin, pure, spotless Lamb of God. He was the new bowl and had to be uncontaminated, pure and clean. Verse 20, so they brought it to him. It may have seemed at the time a foolish, ridiculous, nonsensical thing to do, what could a bowl of salt do where the whole city and the whole surrounding area was completely polluted? What could a simple bowl of salt do to all of that? But nevertheless, in what faith they had and in obedience, they brought it to him. What good is a man who lived 2,000 years ago who died upon a Roman cross? How in the world could he forgive all of our past and give us a whole new future and a whole new life? It can sound ridiculous, nonsensical, unbelievable. But if we come to him and we give our life to him, we'll find that it's absolutely true. He can do it. Verse 21, Then he went out to the source of the water, and he cast the salt in there. 
Elijah went right to the very source of the problem. He wasn't going to fill about with the tributaries and the little rivulets and the little pools here and there and the little lakes here and there. He went right to the very source of the problem. I know it's an old cliche and we've said it many, many times, but it's true. The heart of the problem is the problem of the heart, isn't it? The trouble is man's problem is still, man's sin problem is still a heart problem but we have made it a head problem. We have. We say, you see, if we're only more enlightened, if we're more, only more scientifically savvy, if we're more intelligent, more educated, more sophisticated, then if we were like that, we would live more harmoniously, we'd love one another better, the world would be a most peaceful place, but we know that's just not true. We've never lived in a more scientifically savvy nation and country and world than this. We had never lived in a more sophisticated, more educated, more intellectual world than we live in today, and yet it's full of war and murder and mayhem. There is no peace. Half the world is in constant turmoil. And the smarter we get, the worse it seems to get. Why? Because the issue is a heart issue. It's not a head issue. Jeremiah 17 and 9. The heart is desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? Who can know it? The prophet said. We see today that through law enforcement or through educational uh, departments and all the rest of it, that we're trying to keep on top of things. The violence, the awfulness of society, the danger, the corruption. Right now at the minute, the whole FIFA, the whole World Cup organization is corrupt from top to bottom and has been for years. Now it's been exposed. What have been there all these years? Pocketing millions upon millions for themselves. That's a hard issue. It's not a head issue. Now they're trying to get on top of it. We, we see violence in all of our societies. Law enforcement is trying to get on top of it, but it's a hard issue, and they can't get on top of it. So what does Elisha do? He goes right to the source of the problem. And what is wrong today is a sin problem, isn't it? We know that. It's a sin problem. In fact, even our own individual problems, many, many times when you get to the bottom, it's a heart issue, isn't it? It's a heart issue. And so then he went out to the source of the water and he cast a salt in there and said, Thus saith the Lord... I have healed this water, and from it there shall be no more death or barrenness. So the water remains healed to this day according to the word of Elisha, which he spoke. Hmm. If we went into that area today and we took a cup of that water, we'd be fine.
The Lord can do a good job, can't he? He can do a lasting job. He can do an eternal job. And then the second incident, the really controversial one, is the mauling of the bears. Verse 23, Then he went up from there to Bethel. And as he was going up the road, some youths came from the city and mocked him and said to him, Go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. Now, the reason why this incident is controversial is because the authorized version of the King James. I'm reading from the New King James, but the authorized version calls them children. But the New King James that I'm reading translate it properly as youths, not children. Now, there are loads of scriptures where the word children is used that actually means youth, and I haven't time to go into all of those this morning at all. Sufficient to say, youths are meant, not little children. This is not a case of a bunch of little kids, like primary school children, you know, having a pop at the prophet as he goes by because he was baldy. And he was bad-tempered. And he was thin-skinned. And he put a curse on them. Not at all. These are a bunch of youths. A mob of teenagers. Verse 34 says that 42 of them get mauled by the bears. 42 of how many? 42 of 50? 42 of 60, 42 of 100, we don't know. But at least 42 of them. That's a mob, isn't it? And not only that, they came from behind him. They probably were hiding in the woods until he came past. And then they came out behind him because he had to turn around and look at them. So that must have been quite intimidating. That must have been very scary. Can you imagine being surrounded with a bunch of teenagers, thugs? Remember, this is the city of Bethel. This is a city that now is wholly given over to idolatry. These were idol worshippers. These weren't followers of Jehovah at all. And here they are, and they're shouting, and they're mocking. They had absolutely no respect for the man of God, he was the object of their duration and their mocking. The fact that it says they mocked him shows us that these weren't little children. Now we know that four and five-year-olds can say something that don't even understand themselves. Now these were teenagers. They knew exactly what they were saying. And they knew who they were mocking and why they were mocking. And so they were chanting, go up, bald head, go up, bald head. Now, today, if we were being polite, we would say that Elisha was follically challenged, wouldn't we? And he was, and that was unusual in those days. And so they picked on that unusual feature of this man of God, and they were deliberately being offensive on a personal level as well as on a spiritual level. Mocking and ridicule is still a tactic of the evil one against the people of God. 
we become the butt of comedians' jokes. Atheists want to belittle us. Often intellectuals uh, want to say that we're deluded and we're delusional of what we believe. And so the mocking and the ridicule goes on. Do you ever notice on television programs, sitcoms, if a minister is involved in it, he's either an idiot, a pervert, or stupid, or whatever. There's something that's laughable and mockable, deliberately so. Nothing really much has changed in all these years. And right now, and you don't need me to tell you this, but right now, around the Western world especially, Christians are held up to great ridicule. They're coming out of the woodwork to laugh at us and to point the finger and to say we're backdated. Uh, they don't want our Victorian uh, puritanical views anymore. We've been delivered from all of that stuff. And so we get lampooned. Go up, you bald head. In effect, they were saying, when they said, go up, go up, in effect, they were saying, why did you do what Elijah did? Just go up. Get out of here. We've had enough of people like you around here. We don't want your sort. Just go up. <laughs> Clear off. We don't want your God. We've got our own gods. We don't want you coming around here to our city. Go up, go up. That's, in effect, what they were saying. So not only was this offensive to Elisha, it was offensive to God. They're saying, God, we don't want you here. We don't want your kind here. And... You know, in the New Testament, Jesus said, when you go into a city and they don't receive you, he says, shake the dust of your feet and go on. And there's plenty of places today where we're not received. That we'd rather we would just go away. So not only has he been offensive to God's servant, but to God himself, that's what they were being offensive to. And not only that, but Elisha was in mortal danger here. How would you like to have been surrounded by a mob like that and you're on your own? The name calling had started. What would be next? Very often it starts with name calling and making fun of and ridiculing and mocking, but it usually doesn't stop there, does it? If they get away with that, then it goes on to something much more sinister. And here he is, and they come out of the woods behind him, and he turns around, and there they are, a great mob of them. 50, 60, 100, who knows? Verse 24, so he turned around and looked at them and pronounced a curse on them in the name of the Lord. And two female bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of these. Hmm. 
Bears are probably one of the most dangerous predators on land. I watched a program one night about bears on television. They said, you know, out in, the, in Africa, the lion attacks, the lion goes for the neck to kill its prey. It wants to kill it as quickly as it can. Even though they run after the zebra and they climb on its back, but they want to get the knack to kill it as quickly as they can. But a bear, a bear would just eat you alive. A bear doesn't try to kill you instantly, it just starts eating you. They're really fierce. And so these two she-bears, they come out of the woods and they began to instantly attack. Now some people have a problem with this. This is where it's controversial. They say it's too harsh. It's too vengeful. Uh, Elijah's just having a, a huge overreaction to these young men who's only having fun. Well, evidently, God didn't think so. Because when he invoked the name of the Lord, that's when the bears come out. So if God didn't have a problem with it, we shouldn't have a problem with it either. Didn't hear an amen there. See, this was right at the very beginning of Elisha's ministry. God was setting a marker here. What he was saying is, don't mess with my servant. Don't mess. I think they got the message. I think the city got the message. You say, well, David, that's the Old Testament. Yes, it is. But we're living in the age of grace now. Yes, we are. Thank God. I'm not looking for bears to come out of forests. But some scary things happened in the early church. Can I mention a couple to you? In the New Testament... In Acts chapter 5. Remember this again. It's the early days of the New Testament church. Acts chapter 5. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, and he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Why did it remain? Was it not your own? After it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. This was the time whenever, uh, the, right at the beginning of the early church, and people were giving, in a, in a sense, to church headquarters to, to help the poor Christians. And so people were given voluntarily, willingly. And these two came along and, and sold their land and pretended they had given all of it when they'd only given a part of it. There was nothing wrong with giving a part of it. Peter had no problem with that. They came and says, Peter, listen, we sold the land for such and such. Now we're going to give you, say, a tithe of that. Fine. Okay. Not a problem. But they pretended they gave all of it. And they lied unto God. And God wasn't pleased. Then Ananias, 
hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. Huh? <laughs> right there on the spot, as Peter's talking to him, he drops dead at his feet. So great fear came all upon all those who heard these things. I bet you they did. And the young men arose and wrapped him up and cried him out and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for such, for so much. And she says, yes, for so much. Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young man came in and found her dead and carrying her out brighter by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all those who heard these things. Ah, even in the age of grace. Hmm, scary stuff, eh? Been a while since that happened, isn't it? Can you imagine if that was to happen today? a great fear would come upon all the church. I'm sure it would. Acts 12. Verse 1, Now about that time heard the king stretched out his hand to harass some of the church. Then he killed James, a brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. And it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when they had arrested him, put him in prison, delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. And then we know how, if you read on, you'll see how Peter uh, got that great deliverance from that prison. The angel uh, came. But then verse 20, Now Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, but they came to him with one accord, and having made Blastus the king's personal aid, their friend, they asked for peace because their country was supplied with food by the king's country. And so on a set day, Herod, arrived in royal, arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. And the people kept shouting, the voice of a god and not of a man. Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God, and he was eaten by worms and died, and the word of God grew and multiplied. Ah, this was not done in a corner, was it? The whole country knew of it. No wonder the word of God grew and multiplied. Acts 13, next chapter. So verse 4, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Cilicia. From there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. And when they had gone through the land, the island, sorry, when they had gone through the island to Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Enemas the sorcerer, for so is his name is translated, he withstood them seeking to turn the proconsul away from the truth. 
Then Paul, who is also, then Saul is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, O full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. What a shocker in the New Testament, in the age of grace. Huh? There's at least three incidents recorded for us to show that God will not be mocked. Now, there's a lot of mocking going on today. There's a lot of ridicule. There's a lot of persecution of God's people. But God still will not be mocked. But it's only the mercy of God that he withholds his hand, that he withholds his judgment right now. But one day he will not hold his judgment back any longer. And one day the Lamb of God who was slain for us on the cross, one day will come back not as a lamb but as a lion. One day he'll not come back as a savior, but he'll come back as a judge. In fact, God has put all judgment into his hands. These things were written for our admonition. For our admonition. People say, why doesn't God just do something? He will. Why doesn't he just step in and sort all this out? He will. But in his long suffering and in his mercy, he withholds his hand of judgment. But there may and there will be times when leaders will be removed and nations will fall and empires will crumble as they have in the past. The Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And that's why we should be ever grateful for the grace of God, for the mercy of God, for the patience and the long-suffering of God. Because if God was to lose his patience, where would this word be today? Hmm? If God was to say, I'm stopping my grace today, from today there only will be judgment and dear help this world and everybody in it. Do you know we deserve judgment? You know that? That's all we deserve, judgment. That's all we were good for. We had broken all of God's laws. So we deserve the judgment of God. But he gave us grace and mercy instead. And this table we're about to come to this morning in a moment reminds us of that grace and that mercy of a loving God who though he could have given us his judgment his mercy triumphed over his judgment and he gave us his grace and his mercy instead isn't that wonderful that's why we're here today we would have been long since gone into hell and deserved it every bit of it but his judgment and his mercy God says I will show my mercy. I will withhold my judgment until that day. <laughs> but that day is coming.
and it's coming fast. And the world will know it. Not be done on a corner, the world will know it. So aren't you glad that we have bowed the knee? We have surrendered our hearts to him? Because one day every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Yes, his name is blasphemed today, ridiculed and mocked. But even the mocking tongue will confess that he is the Lord. Hallelujah. Even the blasphemous tongue will say that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It just so happened we have done it this side of eternity. And that's what saved us, didn't it? Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can also watch the Sermon of the Month video at youtube.com forward slash Moira Pentecostal or download the sermon video through our iTunes video podcast. For more information, visit us at www.mpc.org.uk. Thank you.